This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Gameplay on TSN 1050 brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And when it comes to when a quarterback is out, a big-name quarterback is out, you'll see the line really move. Like, for instance, we now know that Tua has been officially ruled out for Sunday's game versus Buffalo. Now, the line before, I think, was about 105 for the Bills, it's now moved up to 13 and a half, and that's a big jump. Three points is a big jump. Yeah. But here's my question. Massive jump. Yeah. Here's my question for you uh, there, producer Josh, because I'm trying to find uh, the equivalent in hockey. And we could say, even though Austin Matthews isn't scoring as many goals this year, he's a top 10 player in the NHL, fair to say? I'd say that. Yeah, I, I would say that as well. So, um, the line for the Predators-Leafs game, it was, if you want to bet the Pred yesterday, when well, we didn't know, it was plus 150. Now it's just plus 158. That's not a, that doesn't feel like a huge uh, change in the line now that it's official that Austin Matthews is not in the lineup tonight. That is official, and looking at the lines, it's been fluctuating the entire morning, Matt. As soon as Sheldon Keefe announced that Matthews is out of the lineup with an undisclosed injury, that is when the betting scheme totally changed. Mm-hmm. Last night, Maple Leafs were minus 200. Like, that's a certain amount of odds for them. That's, yeah. that's fair against Nashville Predators, yeah. who are on a bit of a tear right now, gotta say that. They've won, like, they've won like five in a row. They blanked Ottawa, but they're still a team where if you just count overtime losses as losses, I think they still have one more loss than they do wins on the season. They do, but now, currently looking at FanDuel, it's minus 182 for the Maple Leafs on the money line. Mm-hmm. Fair assumption, but the books aren't trusting the Maple Leafs as much anymore. Yeah. Rightfully so. I like the under of six goals at minus 120, partially because no Matthews, so that means offense is going to get squeezed a little bit from the Maple Leafs. But also, no TJ Brody. It's funny, when the Leafs have injuries on defense, it's like everyone behaves a little bit more and is a little more responsible and tries to create low-event hockey. We've seen a lot of games this year where the Leafs are only allowing like 23, 25 shots. So I kind of like the under for the Leafs and Preds game tonight. I'll probably side towards the over here, no, Matt. I have, I have some reasons. What about Saros? Uh, Saros is very UC solid. Saros. He stopped the combined 102 shots over his last two starts. Shut out Ottawa. Made 64 saves in that 5-3 win over Carolina. How the hell are you taking the over? But I've been on the over for this team the last couple of games, and it's really started to hit me. Mm-hmm. Six goals against the Flyers. Yeah, The under in the Red Wings game, I totally get that. The over uh, didn't hit in the Kraken game, so I'm actually getting turned away here. Yeah. This is really bad. Okay, come to um, my side. Take the under. No Matthews, great goaltender for the Preds. Um, you know, the Leafs, both are goaltenders at better starts, their last starts. But so. how much do we trust the Nashville Predators um, to stop the puck? I know Soros is, is phenomenal this season, making yeah. historical numbers here, but yeah. it's a Maple Leafs offense. Austin Matthews has five goals against the Predators 
in his career. So well, that's that's a line that that's we will see tonight. Yeah, that's right. See? Goodbye. So th- taking the under. No Austin Matthews taking the under. This is a tricky pick that in least spreads. Maybe people will stay away from. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard. It's hard to match. It's hard, and and again, no one likes betting the under. But uh, you know, but, <laughs> except this guy in the studio right here. Yeah, except for uh, you know. I, listen, I'll do it. I, I and I would certainly, I would certainly do it tonight. Uh, coming up on the show today, we have got Lomas Brown, Super Bowl champ, also one of the best offensive linemen in the history of the Detroit Lions. He's been a, a radio color analyst for them since 2017. Lomas Brown's going to join the show. We'll talk NFL, and then at three. 30. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser is going to be on the show. Assistant General Manager with the Maple Leafs, but this is going to be a conversation about her accomplishments. There's this really cool club called the Empire Club, and it's this, it's a speakers club that's been around since the early 20th century. It's like 1908. And she is being um, awarded with the Nation Builder Award. And if you go back and look, it's some of the impressive Canadians have won it. She has won it. So we're going to talk to her just about her own life, her own journey. Uh, certainly one of the most impressive individuals you will ever meet. Four-time gold medal winner, a Hockey Hall of Famer, a physician. Uh, there's very few people as impressive as Haley Wickenheiser. What an illustrious career she has yeah. had throughout her whole life. Yeah. But now to know the most important aspect of her life now mm-hmm. is that she's a resident physician. Yeah, I know. And she's working in the hospitals um, on the nursing side. 12-hour days. Oh, the grind. Yeah. The grind that, that, this, that, the, that she's been going through mm-hmm. um, her entire life. Yeah. Going from the Olympics. Uh, phenomenal hockey legend. Now to, to now to nursing really doesn't get any better than that. Yep. So she will join us at three thirty. The Raptors beat the uh, the Hornets last night, one thirty two, one twenty. We'll get into that game because we got to see offense. Uh, it's, just, it's just fun watching the ball go in the net. Like at just the most base fundamental level of being. See what happens fan. when you can shoot the three. Oh my God! Yeah, then that's it's a whole world of wonders. <sighs> 20 of 44 from three. That's not going to happen many times. Uh, to me, more uh, the more noteworthy point than the fact they hit 20 was 19 of them came on an assist. So the ball and the season high in assists yes. in the first half as well. Yeah, 20 assists in the first half. That's a sight to see. Tied a season high with 32 for the game. We'll get into that, but um, I want to get a bit of a, a little more of a philosophical question with my opening thought. That is sort of related to last night's Raptors game, and that's the subject of today's opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Here's a question for everyone, and you can text us at 105050, or you can tweet me at mcause56. Who in the world of sports is there a bigger contrast between who they were as a player and who they were once they retired? And I bring this up because Michael Jordan, the player, versus Michael Jordan, the executive slash owner, is maybe the greatest contrast I can think of. And we were debating in the office. Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson. I was going to make the obligatory joke about O.J. Simpson, but then I was feeling uncomfortable making jokes that eventually led to, you know, murder. And don't get me wrong, 
Michael Jordan being the majority owner of the Charlotte Hornets, that in and of itself is a massive deal. The first African-American to be a majority owner of a professional team in North America is huge. It should not be forgotten. It should and always be celebrated. Now, as a player, Jordan was this super exciting winning machine, the greatest to ever get it done, this ruthless assassin. But as a top-level front office person or as an owner, he's been a complete flop. The high draft pick failures that he's connected with are well-known. Kwame Brown in 2001, the number one overall pick. Adam Morrison, number three in 2006. Yeah, he did well with Kemba Walker at nine overall in 2011. But then we got Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, second overall in 2012. Cody Zeller's been a fine player, but drafted fourth overall. Then there's his record as an owner of the Hornets. If we take his first full season, you got to go back uh, over a decade. 2010-2011 season. Since then, three winning seasons. Been in the playoffs three times. Swept twice. Took the heat to seven in 2016. That's it. The team, I think, now after losing last night, I believe they're now 150 games under 500 since Michael Jordan took over. The worst record in that franchise's history? He was the owner. They were 7-59. and So, lockout shortened year. And, by the way, Michael Jordan, he's not alone. Magic Johnson, 5-11, and coaching record. He's like, yeah, that's it for me. Wayne Gretzky, 143-161-24 and during four forgettable seasons with the Coyotes. Ted Williams had a better almost he Ted Williams almost had a better batting average than he did winning percentage in his four years as a manager. Even worse about the Hornets is they're boring. They're irrelevant. No real stars for the for so long. I'm sorry, Kemba, you were never a real star. No winning, no dominant stretches, no statement games, no moments. You don't think about the Hornets. If you do, you think about Teal and Larry Johnson. You think about like the late. You think about like the uh, late eighties, early nineties. Lamelo Ball could be a star. He's got that look. He's he plays like one from time to time. But you know, injuries. We'll see. There's also the dark clouds of what will the team do with Miles Bridges. There are talks between Charlotte and Bridges that are, quote, gathering traction when it comes to signing the restricted free agent forward to a new new deal. And for people who don't remember, and I can see why you don't remember, the Hornets don't come into your life very much. Bridges, not that long ago, pleaded no contest to a felony charge after allegedly beating his then-girlfriend in front of their two children. The images that she posted on, on, uh, on Instagram, but have now been taken down, were terrifying. For an owner who has rarely been heard from or reported on, this will bring him back to the spotlight and not for the right reasons. Oh, by the way, Jordan's team traded Shea Gilgus Alexander for Miles Bridges back in 2018. Oops. Michael Jordan in 2016 was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor by then-President Barack Obama. Clearly, Obama was more focused on what Jordan did as a player and as a businessman and not what he has done as an executive as an, or as an owner. Jordan the player does not resemble at all Jordan the executive. And it is... Stunning to see, and moments like last night were a reminder that a guy can go from being at the top of his sport 
to being at the bottom. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. So I was thinking about it, like who in sports, like Gretzky, not a good coach. Ted Williams, not a good coach. Uh, Magic Johnson, a disaster in any role with uh, the the Lakers beyond what he may or may have not have done to get LeBron to go there. Um, but just these these high end athletes that retire, you know, maybe you go Brett Favre, who now is still embroiled in. Did, did he steal money from from charities? Did he steal from the poor? You know, down in like Mississippi or wherever that was. But if you look at Jordan the player versus Jordan, everything he's been since, it's an incredible contrast. Unbelievable contrast, but I think it goes in two ways. Meaning, leading and charging a team is totally different than being on that team and being a star player on that team. Oh, yeah. That is the total difference. Mm-hmm. It's hard to point the finger and say, oh, well, you aren't really doing a good job or you aren't like leaning up to the expectation. For one, I, I'm, I'll go in two ways. One, from Michael Jordan, that the Charlotte Hornets are just not that good at all. They're dealing with so many issues, as you stated. Yep. And then, y- you don't have that much history into it. I think, yes, you've been doing it for a long time, but it's tough. It, it, it's, it's severely hard. When have they been good well, they've been good, and, and like Jordan, Jordan wasn't good with Washington. wasn't good hasn't been good with Charlotte. Uh, someone writing in, he can text us at ten fifty fifty. Contrast between as a player versus when they left. Jeff Saturday, Hall of Fame center, not so much of a coach. <laughs> that is a good text. Thank you very much to that listener. Yes, that one works. And he was like, ah, I, I still was like, I should coach this team. Really? <laughs> he got the opportunity. Yeah. If, you know what? If I'm just Saturday, if I'm interested in coaching, humble yourself. But that's that's to a college. total different situation yeah, than I know, I know, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Going from an analyst to yeah the uh, the gridiron. Yeah. But Michael Jordan's been around the game of basketball for we for we know like decades. The, the crazy thing, um, and this is going to happen with every generation. This will eventually happen to you, Josh. Not for a long time, but it will eventually happen to you where you're going to get shocked that the younger generation doesn't know the stars that you followed. If you are even older than you, if you're 25, 28 or younger, what do you remember more about Mike? When you think of Michael Jordan, what do you think of? The player or the crying Jordan meme? Which one's going to come to mind more? (laughs) That's... That's not nice. Okay, I, but listen, I'm not saying this as an indictment on the youth. This is not me going, ah, oh, kids these days with avocado toast and their TikTok videos. No, 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 no. This is just like when I was a kid, I didn't have much memory of, um, you know, uh, uh, let me, Johnny Unitas. I'm, I'm just trying to think of players who are big stars. Johnny yeah. Unitas is too old. No, like big stars of seven. Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw would be one. You know, a, a guy who was a star in the 70s. That this generation would probably not know about at all. Like, Terry Bradshaw, to me, was just a, a, a loud guy on Fox. Yeah. But back to the Jordan comments, I, I, you've definitely seen the, the documentary The Last Dance. Yes. So I think that's what really brought me into the ah. scale, saying, wow. And why do you think Jordan did that? He wants to stay relevant. He also did that because uh, LeBron was winning a title in the bubble. He's like, oh, I got to get myself back out there again. This this was part of the plans ever since he came into the NBA. Yeah, 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 yeah. The footage, the the files that were in that docu series was phenomenal. Before the, the Last Dance, yeah, 
What did you think of Jordan? Crying meme or what he did to the Pacers? What he did to the Utah Jazz? Well, I'm a big basketball fan myself, so I could say I did look back at the old film. Yeah. Saw the phenomenal shots that he took all the time. The Air Jordan dunk. You're the exception to the rule. I guess so. There, no, no, there's, there's a there's lot no of fans. Yeah. I'm not going to say this here, but it's the GOAT conversation that mm-hmm. will go for decades, forever, but for if, centuries. And it's probably going to be the two names, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. No, but eventually it won't be LeBron anymore. Or, excuse me, eventually it won't be Jordan. You don't think he will? In 19, uh, let's see, 40 years ago, 30, uh, 40 years ago, the conversation uh, was Magic Johnson. It was Wilt Chamberlain. It was Bill Russell. It was Larry Bird. It was Kuzi. It was these guys. Just like back in the, like, for instance... Um, I get scoffed at when I say Brett Favre is better than Peyton Manning or Brett Favre is better than Aaron Rodgers. And you know what people do? They point to his interceptions. They didn't watch the game. No. Why would they have? They might have been minus three at the time. The game was different. It's a different perspective. Um, and me, when I was your age, 20 years old in 1995, I would have scoffed at... Johnny Unitas. I would have scoffed at at uh, at Roger Staubach. I'm like, look at the numbers. They don't compare. And now people are going to scoff at Elway in Montana. Because it's just eras change and your perspective changes. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just life. Generations truly change. Yes. But fans of today will go back to the history books and look at the resume that Michael Jordan had. Uh-huh. And say, who will match this? Yeah. Right? How many championships? Yeah. How many all stars? Right. Mm-hmm. We'll match that. Maybe that's the power of Jordan. Is that maybe he can he can hold off generations for at least a little bit longer, but eventually that'll come to an end. And now when, it's not even on the basketball scale, Matt. Now it's on the business side with the Jordan shoes. It's the branding. Oh, it's he, the marketing. He's great when he's connected with Nike. He's just not great when he's connected with the Hornets or the Wizards. No, on an NBA executive scale. It's yeah. definitely different than his than his playing style. We can say that. Yes, a hundred percent. All right, we went heavy there. My fault. My no bad. problem. Uh, solid the, debate. Solid debate. No, it's a good debate. Listen, you know, but it's going to happen, my man. Eventually, um, no, like it, people aren't going to think about Jordan the same way. The next, the next player. Uh, excuse me. The next player to have six MVPs, mm-hmm. five Finals MVPs, yeah. come back. Yeah. On uh, the other side, we'll, we'll continue the conversation with the Raptors. We'll hear from Fred Van Vliet, who gives the worst answer that I have heard about what is the state of the Raptors. The answer stinks, but it's also probably the answer I would give as well. That's coming up next right here on Gameplay. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Kaz. I am looking right now. I think I am, I'm going to find an incredibly cowardly bet of the day to do with the uh, Leafs game. Leafs taking on the National Predators. We'll get back into that a bit. The big story there, no Austin Matthews will not suit up tonight for the Maple Leafs. William Nylander is going to be at center. We'll get you that sound from Sheldon Keefe a little bit later. Uh, Tua Tungabayola is out. Uh, Mike McDaniel has come out and said he will not start this weekend against the Bills, and the Bills are now a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. The last time that was a football game that I saw where one team was favored by 13-and-a-half, that was Alabama against TCU. They won by 58. I expect this game to be closer. I do, too. Yeah. But <laughs> if take. the line stays, mm-hmm. 
It would be the largest point spread in the history of the Wild Card Weekend. Really? Yes, oh. per ESPN stats and information. Oh, there you go. Nice job, them. Of course, it's them. They could lie, and I'd still believe them. <laughs> they have crazy stats. It, it, it does seem reasonable, though. If you look at the other lines on FanDuel, yeah. Yeah. it is nowhere near that, rightfully so. Like, how much do we expect from Skylar Thompson, Miami Dolphins? Is it Skylar or is it Teddy? Do we know? It's... Uh, confirmed to be Skyler Thompson. Oh, so it's not even Teddy Bridgewater. No, because last week he's the, dealing with the injuries as well. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So, so the best way to put it is, what is the second the second biggest line? San Fran nine and a half at home against Seattle. The Bengals an eight and a half point favorite. Is Lamar Jackson out, or are they doing that because they don't assume Lamar Jackson is going to play? It's not confirmed as of yet, but it's not good. Yeah, and even if he does play, an uphill climb for Lamar Jackson. Oh, right, uphill climb on Wednesday, and this is one of those practice days. Come on, don't ruin my weekend with all these back, all these injuries, such a problem. Yeah, come on, I mean, I mean, do it for me, you know. Maybe I'd be a little bit selfish. Maybe do it for the betters. You know, yeah. What about us? What? What about the people that want to put put money on you? Yeah, not even that. Take betting out of it. Just I want compelling football. Here's the thing. The great thing about betting on sports, and again, don't, you don't have to bet more than five, ten bucks, is that, you know, that's your way of battling a bad game is by putting down a toonie on a ridiculous bet. You know, at least that's going to make the game compelling. That's going to, the Skylar Thompson is not compelling. Whoever the hell is that quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, that's not going to be compelling. No, but it's a rough time. It happens. It does. It does. You, you, can't, you can't shy away from it at all. Yeah. And looking at these lines, it's it's turning into that type of weekend already. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's only Wednesday we're, we're already talking about it. I know. That's a lot to get into. Uh, the Raptors beat the Hornets last night, 132-120. The key point was fourth, fourth quarter. Lamella Ball hits a three. It's 108-107. And we're all thinking, no, 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 no. They can't lose to them. And then the Raptors go on a 14-0 run. Suddenly it's 122, 107, 326 left. And the hero then was Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet did not have a good game going into that moment. But he hits two three-pointers, gets a couple assists. He was the key guy on that run. And Van Vliet was asked um, afterwards how he would describe the first half of the Raptors season. Like a first half of a season. That's, that's, that's what it was, and we got to focus on the second half. So um, don't have a great... Uh, description. So I'll just say that. What do you need? What's the biggest? What do you need to change from the first half? Uh, we need to win. We need to win more. That sucks. That is such a bad answer. You know, what does it felt like? Well, it felt like uh, it felt like the first half of the season. What do you got to do? We got to win more. But there's no other way to say it. Does anyone have a definitive, concrete answer about why the team is under 500? You know, it's it's little slivers. It's oh, one of the hardest schedules. Okay, uh, there's been some injuries, and not not a ton. I'm not going to look at injuries. In fact, I don't. To me, it's tough schedule, bad luck in close games, and regression from Boucher, uh, not having Precious Achua, Fred Van Vliet's three point shooting, um, Scotty Barnes, like no uh, uh, Malachi Flynn. Like it, it seems like it's everything gets nine percent of this blame pie, and it adds up to this bad record. Observing that game yesterday, it seemed like it was close the entire time. Looking at the spread, mm-hmm. the Raptors were eight and a half point favorites. Yeah, this should be a game they should walk in, 
simple-handedly close it out. It was not that until the end. Yes, um, they ended up covering the, covering the spread and shooting the lights on the fourth quarter, but it was absolutely close. Terry Rozier was on an absolute tear. Yeah, LaMelo Ball pouring down the rebounds. That's an issue where, come on, the Raptors have to fix if they want to continue to win games. They cannot let opposing point guards have that many assists in a game. 14. Season high. John Moran had 17 the other day. I know, I know. know, Right? So, yes, we can pick out the offensive rebounds for Toronto. That's a bright side. But then again... Plumley scored over twenty points. Yes. Oh no, no. The Raptors defensively weren't that good, but I'm no. not. No, no. I'm not here for complaining about the Raptors defense because they scored 132 points. They shot 50. percent They shot nearly 50 percent from three. And a shout out to the bench: Precious Achua and Chris Boucher combined 10 of 15 for 25 points. Coloco had a really good game. And six the, offensive rebounds for Coloco. Incredible. Yeah, 40 points, 24 rebounds, seven assists for the bench, meaning that no one was playing more than 36 minutes from the starters. All right. On the other side, a guy that I watched pretty much his entire career. Lomas Brown is going to join the show. Uh, Super Bowl champ, seven-time Pro Bowler, and now a radio broadcaster with the Detroit Lions. We're going to talk about that, the crazy, what a crazy way to end the season. A ton to get into, and we'll do that next right here on Gameplay. I've always believed that if you're a sports fan, your years where you love sports the most, uh, the most innocently, the least amount of cynicism, and you watched it the most because you were young and you didn't have a mortgage, a full-time job, a partner, a kid, is somewhere around 13, 14, and that goes uh, till you're in your early 20s. Well, that coincides with the peak of my next guest. Lomas Brown was an incredible offensive lineman, especially for the Detroit Lions. I started watching football in 1990 at the age of 15, and I got to watch this guy block for the single most exciting player I have ever seen, and I'm including every player I've seen until today, that of course being Barry Sanders. He's now a broadcaster with the Detroit Lions, and recently inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. It is Lomas Brown. Lomas, thank you so much for joining the show today. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay. And by the way, I'm going to apologize right now to my producer and my program directors because I could do this. I could do this interview just asking you about things going on today. But bleep that. I need you as a storyteller. Um, Lomas, (laughs) what was it like blocking for Barry Sanders where you would the defense didn't know where he would be? And even you guys might not know where he was going to be. Well, you know, I always tell everyone that, you know, you could Google Barry and you'll see his his highlight runs. But I'm telling you, his most spectacular runs are those runs that we used to see on Mondays after, you know, Mondays watching the film. And it may be a two-yard gain. It may be a two-yard loss. But it's going to be the most spectacular two-yard gain or two-yard loss you've ever seen in your life. And those were, I've seen those, it would be at least five times a game. We would sit there and say, oh, my goodness, how did he do that? How did he get away from that? It was just always like that with Barry. So people see the highlights in him when you pull up his name, but I see the real highlights in him with Barry Sanders. And it was nothing but spectacular and awesome for the seven of the ten years that I blocked for him. 
Would, when you guys were watching film of Barry Sanders, how much of it was just you guys laughing at what he was doing? How much of it was you felt sorry for the amount of, even like all pro defensive players that were getting embarrassed on the field by what he was doing? Well, you would, yeah, you would definitely have the over or under on how many guys he would take out or the over or under on how many guys he embarrasses. And, yeah, it would be like two-plus every game that you know you're going to get something out of Barry. I'm telling you, that's why people on the opposing sidelines, when we used to have the ball, they used to stand up and watch because they knew they were watching something special. They knew they were watching something that they may not ever see again. And I was each and every week, each and every play. In my, in, in, in my case, it was each and every play with Barry Sanders. So, you know, I always tell people he's the greatest, you know, and they think I'm a little biased because I blocked for him for seven of his ten years. But, man, I'm telling you, that dude was the greatest I've ever seen. Um, I, I agree. I'm. By the way, I'm a New York Giants fan. That was the team I grew up on. Um, but I can say that he is. Uh, he is the greatest running back I've ever seen. He's the most exciting player. You know, Michael Vick's going to be there. Randy Moss is going to be there. There's a bunch. Uh, but number one, obviously, Barry Sanders. We're joined by uh, Lomas Brown, who does radio with the Detroit Lions. One more sort of historical thing, and, and then we'll we'll get to talking about what we saw last weekend and your thoughts about Wild Card Weekend and and Dan. Campbell and all this other stuff, but when you walked off the field in 1991, having just whipped up on Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys, beating them in the playoffs, 38 to six, could you have imagined back then that that the Detroit would not have won a playoff game since? No, no, you couldn't have told me that we weren't going to get back to the NFC Championship game a couple of more times. I mean, you know, it, it, and and you're right. It's just how quickly things could change in the NFL. Unfortunately, you know, that year in 1991, we lost Mike Utley when he got paralyzed yep. during the season. And then during that offseason, uh, Eric Andelset got killed. Um, our starting left guard. So we lost both of our guards within like a couple of months span. And I think we never really bounced back from that. But no, you couldn't have told me with all the talent we had on that team when you talk about Chris Spielman and Jerry Ball and Benny Blades and Kevin Glover and Herman Moore and Johnny Morton. Brett Perriman, and yep. I know I'm missing the like Ray Crockett, just the names, Mel Gray, you know, Jason Hansen, yep. just all the guys that we had on that team, you couldn't have told me that we weren't going to be back in the NFC Championship game a couple of more times. Yeah, it is remarkable how we think the window for a franchise, how long it's going to be open for uh, to win a championship, and it often closes far faster than we, than we thought. Actually, you know what? I, what was your emotion when you saw either live or you heard about it with DeMar Hamlin in the Bills-Bengals game? Because you were there when Mike Utley, back in November of 1991, uh, the injury that paralyzed him. How difficult was it to watch that, the DeMar Hamlin play? And how hard is that for, for football players who are also human beings when they see that on the field and then they got to play again? Oh, scary. Scary. And the thing about it for me is my how times have changed. Because if you think back, man, once they wheeled Mike off that field, 
Um, we were back to playing. Um, if you talk about Reggie Brown, who got paralyzed and also had to be resuscitated on the shield for the Detroit Lions. You know, once he was wheeled off, you know, they resumed playing. So it's just, it's just you know, how times have changed. And to me, that's the respect, because there's a player watching that. You can't imagine watching that and trying to have to refocus your mind back on the game. A game when you just watch real-life stuff just go on. And then the other thing, you're thinking about your teammates. We were thinking about Mike the rest of that game. Our focus was on the Rams. Our focus was on our fallen uh, hero that went out, Mike Utley. You know, so it's hard to compartmentalize that. That's unfortunately what we had to do. But I thought it was fortunate that the NFL stepped in stopped the game, and they've done and handled things the way they did with DeMar Hamlin. But it was scary. It was scary. I tell anybody, I've seen two things this year that I've never seen in my football life or my life. The the tour thing when he folds up, yep. his fingers were folded up when he got knocked out, and the DeMar Hamlin. Those two things I've never seen, never thought I would see, but I've seen them this year. Yeah, yeah, we did. We saw them both. Yeah, you were absolutely right. Uh, joined by uh, Lomas Brown, a color analyst for the Detroit Lions. All right, first, before we look at Wild Card Weekend, how much fun was that? Because as a viewer without a dog in the race, uh, that Lions game was hilarious and fun, and I, I think a lot of people were rooting for Detroit. How much fun was it calling that game? Man, it was so great. Oh, my God. The last half of the season has been all so awesome because this is my fifth year, and I came in with Matt Patricia. So I, this is my first winning season. And, man, it was so great to be able to call games that mean something late in the year. It was so great to call an exciting team, man, a bunch of young, exciting players that you watch just get better and better each and every week of the season. It was just so great to see it. And that coaching staff, how they held those guys together when they were one and six. They preached the same message. They had the same demeanor when they were one and six as they had when they were winning. And, of course, Jerry Goff, the leader, the guy that was doubted, the guy that nobody really wanted. He was like the guy that was thrown in with the trade with Matthew Stafford. And this guy has proven he's here to stay. He wants to be the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. And I believe we don't have to look for a quarterback high. We can look for a quarterback maybe in the third, fourth, fifth round if we want to because of how Jared has played. And arguably, you could say he's probably played as well as any quarterback in the league over the last month of the season. So it's just great to see. And it just provides such a window into the future of the Lions if we can keep everybody healthy and keep projecting the way we're going. Do you have any good Dan Campbell stories you're allowed to say on air? Man, that, you know, that, that, that's just my guy, man. I love Dan Campbell, man. And, you know, again, we played together, you know, two years with the Giants. So I was in my 15th year, and he was in his second year as my tight end. And you could tell back then there was a little something different about the dude. You couldn't put your finger on it. But you knew it was something, you know, something different about him. And when he came in with the bite and the kneecaps, I was like, yeah, man. Half of Detroit got behind them with that because we need that grit. 
We need somebody that's not afraid to stand up, poke his chest out, and say, hey, we're about to get into a, a, a war today. It's about to be on today. And that's that's how I feel, not just Dan, but Aaron Glenn, you know, Deuce Stanley, and you know, Randall L., you know, our whole coaching staff, as you guys see from Hard Knocks. They're competitive, and that just oozes down into the team. So that's my guy. Love him 110. And, you know, I think we might have found the right guy here in the Boulder City. I hope so. It hasn't felt like the right guy since uh, since Wayne Fonts way back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Lomas, I'll, I'll leave you with this question. You were a member of uh, the New York Giants that went to the Super Bowl and nearly beat Baltimore. We, we won't talk about that game. We won't talk about that game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you, you won a Super Bowl with Tampa. That's, so that, that's what counts. But you, the Giants are taking on the Minnesota Vikings. I don't trust either of these teams. I love Brian Dayball and the coaching staff. I can't trust that Giants offense beyond Saquon Barkley. Meanwhile, Minnesota wins like 13 games, but they've been outscored on the season. Obviously, you saw Minnesota twice in two games against the Lions. Your thoughts on the Lions-Giants game? Man, look, I think the Giants have a good chance. I I really do, man, because, again, they have a good run game. I think now it it got slowed down a little bit over the last part of this season, but they they have a run game, and that's one thing in the playoffs, especially right they're going to Minnesota. So, you know, they're going to have to deal with the crowd noise. And the best way to get the crowd out the game is to establish the run game. You'll be able to eat up the clocks. Keep Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, you know, T.J. Hawkinson and that powerful offense, Dalvin Cook. Keep those guys on the sideline. You guys have it. You don't want to have Daniel Jones dropping back trying to throw the ball. That plays right into Minnesota's hands. So, to me, it's imperative that the Giants come out and establish the run game. If they could do that, that's going to help that defense. And the defense is good enough to stop the Minnesota offense when they have the ball. But you just can't put them in bad situations where you can't have begin three and out and keep the defense on the field. So, to me, I think the the New York Giants got a great chance against Minnesota. Minnesota hadn't just impressed me. They just had jumped off the screen at me and said, whoa, this is a team you have to contend with. So, I do think the Giants have an opportunity and a chance in this game. Hey, yeah, I, I listen as a Giants fan. I hope you are right. Um, just to be a hell of a comeback from last year. You know, before we go, I've, be, I've been getting, you know, just my brain has been filled with 1990s football, and I have seven Herman Moore questions for you. But I'll have to save that for another time. <laughs> uh, can, can you tell everyone a little bit about your about the Lomas Brown Foundation and where they can find more information on it? Absolutely, they could go to Lomas Brown Junior. Foundation. Org. And, yes, man, I, 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 I thank you for asking me that because, you know, we've been supporting kids since the early 90s when I established my foundation, the Boys and Girls Club, Big, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I gave out scholarships. So now we're focusing in on doing educational camps and clinics right now in the southeast Michigan area. So, yeah, and we do it the underserved area. So we never the, – the philosophy with my foundation is I never want to put a financial burden on the kid or their family. So we 
handle all the financial burdens. Everything we do for the kids is free for them. So I appreciate you asking me that, man. We're growing each and every year, man, and we continue to grow in 2023. That's fantastic. The Lomas Brown Junior Foundation dot org. Easy to spell, easy to find. Lomas, this has been an absolute treat. Your prime was during some of my prime years becoming an NFL fan. So uh, it's been a thrill chatting with you today. All the best. Absolutely, Matt. I appreciate it at any time. All right. Then careful. We will we will hold you to that, mostly because I'm self indulgent <laughs> talking about that time period. Thanks so much, Lomas. All the best. Okay, take care. Take care. That is multi, 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 multi Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, former offensive lineman with the Detroit Lions, the Giants, and again, one with Tampa. On the other side, we do it each and every Wednesday. It is This or That, and it's coming up next right here on Gameplay. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. Double or nothing. Done. Witness. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Homer, please don't make me choose between my man and my god, because you just can't win. There you go again. Always taking someone else's side. Flanders, the water department, god. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cos. Coming up at 3 o'clock, I almost mispronounced 3, senior writer for NBA.com, Steve Ashburner is going to join the show. We'll talk Raptors, we'll talk the soap opera that is the Lakers. And then at 3.30, Haley Wickenheiser, Hockey Hall of Famer, will be joining as well. But we do it each and every Wednesday. It's time now for This or That, a reminder, gameplay on TSN 1050, brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. What do you got, Josh? Matty, let's go on a Wednesday. I am fired up. First, this or that. LeBron James stated that Kevin Durant um, is the most capable player to pass him in all-time points. This or that. Will it be Luka Doncic scoring more points in his career? Or Kevin Durant? Okay, that's a good one. And I am just buying myself a second here. Kevin Durant, 14th all-time in scoring. He's got 18,311. And so LeBron's soon going to catch Kareem. I'm going to go with Luka because Durant is, you know, in his early 30s. He's older than you think. It's just his game looks still so spectacular. We forget how old he is. And he's getting, you know, injuries. This last one's not his fault. That's Jimmy Butler falling on him. But all the injuries, I think, eventually catch up with him. Uh, Luca, we haven't even seen the best version. If Luca ever decides to focus on his body and health and diet the way LeBron has, then I think it's Luka Doncic. I'll take Luka Doncic over Kevin Durant. Very, very interesting there. Both are going to have phenomenal careers for the rest yeah. of their NBA tenure. Mm-hmm. The Arizona Cardinals yeah. plan to trade all-pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. Smart. And you know what? That Cardinals team, they are going through absolute shambles right now. thought you were going to use a different word. No, okay. not at all. Mm-hmm. It is really rough for them right now in Arizona. Yeah. Kingsbury out. Mm-hmm. Going to be Hopkins out status of Murray throughout the rest of his career, we don't even know. Yeah, Out of these two teams that are pretty necessarily uh, on the side in need of a wide receiver, yep. I know Garrett Wilson is the WR1 in New York, but 
you can't go wrong with number two. No. So, do you envision, and who would be a better fit? Yeah. New York Jets, DeAndre Hopkins going to the Big Apple, Uh or the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields throwing to him? Um, I'm going to go the Chicago Bears. That team needs more help at wide receiver. Um, I'm trying to forget. Um, the Jets also, like a year ago, they signed Corey Davis, who's actually a good wide out with the Tennessee Titans. Um, it hasn't been able to put up the numbers. I think it's the Chicago Bears. I mean, what, Daryl Mooney, Kyle Komet. Um, if, if, if the Bears are really committed to Justin Fields, where they're not going to trade him, get that man some help. Yeah, I'm going to go DeAndre Hopkins to the Chicago Bears. Really rough. Looking at, I have, I have to add context here. Mm-hmm. Looking at the New York Jets, Tyler Conklin second in receiving yards for mm-hmm. that roster. Yeah, <laughs> and then Michael Carter running back. Yeah, running back third in receiving yards. Not a good sight at all. But the Bears are last in, uh, re- in passing yards per game, 152. And the gap between them and second last, second last is Atlanta, and they are at 172. Disaster in Chicago. <laughs> Rough. I feel like it's a cowardly day on gameplay today. I oh, feel I like a, you've mentioned that word multiple I got times. A good, I got a good cowardly bet. And I'm going to be up. throwing you at it midweek. Yeah. We may re- revisit this tomorrow. Yeah. But this or that, would you rather mm-hmm. place your money on the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Seattle Seahawks? Or the Buffalo Bills at minus eight hundred to beat the Miami Dolphins. Oh, Skyler Thompson. Oh, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Buffalo Bills. Bills are going to crush them. At least San Fran. You never know. Brock Purdy. What, what happens if Seattle scores early? DK Metcalf breaks one tackle, gets a big uh, touchdown. Suddenly it's seven nothing. Suddenly ten three. Third and eight. Brock Purdy gets a little bit nervous. The Buffalo Bills. Their losses. Uh, their three losses this year or four losses, whatever it is, has been been by, been by like eight points. Um, no, I, I feel so much better taking the Buffalo Bills than I do the San Francisco 49ers. Very truthful. Uh, I'll say one, then an intern hat at him will throw one at you here, Matt. Yeah. Carlos Correa, this saga is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Out of there. To New York. Failed the physical. Back. Failed the physical again. Back to Minnesota. The AL Central is going to be looking at this saying, mm, Correa is a pretty solid player. The Twins didn't lead up to expectations, Yep, but he can add a lot to that team. Who is more nervous, the Cleveland Guardians or the Chicago White Sox? I think the Guardians are more nervous. I think the White Sox, are their focus right now is just trying to find uh, a new man. It's just trying to find if they can pick up the pieces after no more Tony La Russa. White Sox, they were outscored. They were 81-81, and 81, but... Minus thirty-one in, in scoring differ in in uh, scoring differential. Meanwhile, Cleveland, uh, at least they were a plus sixty-four. I think Cleveland is the more nervous one because I think they're more legitimate shot to win the Central. I think the White Sox uh, team more in flux. Absolutely, Inter Nottingham. Talk right. to you, buddy. All right, and we'll go back a little bit to the NFL, but yeah. looking beyond the playoffs, Sean Payton has been a popular name right now in NFL media. Yeah. If you were Sean Payton, would you rather go coach Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos or the quarterback-less Indiana, Indianapolis Colts right now? Oh, God. Um, I'm going to... Hmm. Intern Adham is known for the most fire takes. I'll just say that. I'm going to go the Colts. I'm going to go the Colts because I don't fear the Titans or the Texans. 
We'll see about the Jags. They're, they're certainly on the rise. But I go to the Colts. I get what? Like the number three pick in the draft. Um, so you, there's a lot to build there. There is some talent on this team at the skill position. I'm going to go to the Colts. I'm going to avoid Denver altogether because Russell Wilson hasn't been good in the last couple of years. And you are in the division with, um, with Patrick Mahomes. And maybe the Chargers become a legit team with Herbert. I pick going to the Indianapolis Colts because also... Yeah, well, actually, both coaches stunk. But you're going from Saturday. Uh, you're going to be a step up on Jeff Saturday. <laughs> wouldn't you want to go to the AFC West and show everyone why you're the best? Imagine just going there, taking Russell Wilson, beating Mahomes, beating Herbert. I don't know what's wow. happening. No, I want Vegas. easy. I want easy. I want some, I want some light lifting, okay? I, I want to beat whoever the hell is that. I want to beat Josh Dobbs and the Titans and then whoever the hell the Texans get. And, and, you know, so no, no, I want light lifting. Give me the AFC South. And that one more before we go yeah. very quickly very here. Quick. Okay. Maple Leafs Predators at Scotiabank Arena tonight, yeah. 730 on TSN 1050. That is true. Austin Matthews out of the lineup with an undisclosed injury. Yeah. What's a better bet? William Nylander anytime goal or Nashville Predators on the puck line? Ooh, so the, the, the Predators have to, uh, they, got, they can lose by just one goal? That's correct. I'm going to take Preds uh, puck line. Just the, the goaltending there. So I'm going to take uh, the Preds. I think, it's, uh, I think this is a one-score game. Got it. Maybe Nylander gets you. I think maybe there's a better chance Nylander with two assists and one goal. But we'll discuss that a little bit later. On the other side, we go back to the NBA. Steve Oshburner, senior writer at NBA.com, joins the show next. This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.